0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. The Ford government is being urged to recall the legislature to confront the staffing crisis in Ontario's healthcare sector. The Omicron variant continues to have a big impact on local hospitals. How can we support small businesses in Hamilton? An assistant professor in McMaster University was diagnosed with COVID-19 a year ago and is still feeling the effects of long COVID. Today marks the one-year anniversary of the U.S. Capitol riots, and there's a new person leading the Realtors Association Association of Hamilton-Burlington. The GMH podcast starts now. This
1: is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. We're
0: looking
2: after more patients than we ever have. We're looking after sicker patients than we ever had. And we're finding now um,
3: that nurses and healthcare professionals are burnt out. And... Um, more support needs to
0: come. That's Aaron Aris from the Ontario Nurses Association highlighting the importance to uh, improve our healthcare sector amid the emergence of Omicron and the explosion of the Omicron variants of COVID 19. Uh, With that being the backdrop, all three of Ontario's opposition leaders joining union leaders in uh, less than 10 minutes today to call on the Ford government to recall the legislature to confront the staffing crisis in our health care system. Michael Hurley is the president of the Ontario Council of Hospital Unions and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Your message today is going to be what?
4: Well, we're asking the Ford government to recall the legislature. We're asking them to repeal... Uh, the legislation that um that uh, imposes uh real wage cuts on healthcare workers and other workers in the broader public sector and we're asking them to uh immediately move to a health human resource strategy that uh increases staffing levels in hospitals long term care that provides mental health supports to workers um you know we're we're asking them to uh, ban the use of agency staff which are bleeding staff out of hospitals and to um embark on a real strategy to uh, to create meaningful full-time employment that's attractive to deal with safety issues in these in these institutions which are which are hugely problematic these are the things which would turn around what is otherwise um you know a uh a uh, long-term uh, staffing crisis—the immediate impact of which we're feeling today.
0: Are you holding out hope that the premier is not only going to listen but react to what you're calling for?
4: I'm very hopeful that that the you know this crisis spotlights uh, some of the major problems we have uh, with uh, with attrition in the healthcare sector, which your your speaker a few minutes ago was referring to. We've got we've got people who have worked for two years without vacations. They've worked overtime. They they have barely seen their families. They are physically and emotionally exhausted. They haven't been provided the equipment that they needed to work safely. Many of them, the majority of them, are working part-time, stitching multiple jobs together. They took a 4% wage cut last year. In real terms, they're going to face it again this year. So um, these are all things the government has within its power to deal with, and we're calling on the government to return to the front lines where where everyone else is to help us to deal with what is otherwise going to be a huge crisis in healthcare.
0: As you mentioned, the burnout is real here in Hamilton. There's over 700 healthcare workers uh, self-isolating off work because uh, they they've come into contact with someone with COVID or have it themselves. Obviously, that's put an increased pressure on the local hospital system. This is really crunch time. What happens if nothing happens?
4: If nothing happens with the government, well, I mean, we're going to keep up pressure up on and we're going to intensify our pressure on the Ford government because, unfortunately, things don't get or get better for people in Ontario. The, the demographics suggest that an aging population is going to demand healthcare services, you know, more and more. So this problem intensifies and all the polling that we've done of nurses and other healthcare workers that we represent suggests that There's going to be an exodus after the pandemic because people don't feel valued. They do feel burnt out. And at the very core of it, they've got this moral injury they feel every day that they can't deliver the kind of care that they, that they think the patients and residents need. It's just not humanly possible. And unless we start to staff up these institutions and unless we deal with making wages uh, rise in real terms uh, we are going to see that happen but this is something we can change and, and we're determined to change it.
0: Michael I know you got to run for this nine o'clock news conference thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll be listening at nine. Thank you so much for having me I
4: really appreciate it.
0: Michael Hurley is the president of the Ontario Council of Hospital Unions with CUPE. Uh, reflecting on what's happening at nine o'clock this morning is all three of Ontario's opposition leaders. Are joining forces with uh, people like Michael and other union leaders from the healthcare sector today, calling on the Ford government to number one, recall the legislature to address. The crisis that's happening in our healthcare system. Uh, repeal Bill 124, which I mentioned limits wage increases for healthcare workers and would obviously open up some more spaces for professionals to jump into the profession. Uh, Ontario NDP leader Andrew Horvath will call on the government today to make sure all Ontarians receive paid sick days. And uh, we've heard uh, in the past, and uh, he'll make that commitment again today, or at least that call today. Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca wanting the premier to call in the Canadian military to help hospitals who need help. Uh, Is that help needed now? Uh, Perhaps at many institutions. Uh, We shall see if that will materialize. What the government does, uh, we shall see about that as well.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. From 900 CHML.
0: Well, we know the Omicron variants of COVID-19 is having a big impact on local hospitals, including a Joe Brandt Hospital. Eric Vandewall is the president and CEO of Joseph Brandt Hospital and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good yourself. I'm well, thank you. How would you describe the current situation at Joseph Brandt Hospital?
5: I'd describe the current situation today as uh, things are stable. However... As many hospitals are challenged with filling vacancies and uh, nursing positions, some days, you know, it's, it's from shift to shift, area to area, to make sure that we have enough staff to cover the operations.
0: How are those shortages impacting those operations? Are we seeing a great impact, or, or do you have enough staff to uh, compensate for these shortages?
5: Uh, yes, as of today, we, uh, we do have enough staff to compensate. Uh, some of the measures we've taken have uh, included reducing uh, non-urgent and emergent uh, scheduled care, so scheduled surgeries, for example, and uh, we've reduced those levels to about 25% of what we usually do. So uh, twofold, that one allows us to have capacity, uh, hospital capacity for COVID-positive patients, but also then allows us to potentially redeploy some of those staff to support shortages in other areas.
0: We've heard from physicians, whether it's, you know, doctors, nurses, um, you know, uh, uh, telling us about the burnout factor. And it's been nearly two years now with now staffing shortages becoming worse and worse at various hospitals across the province, uh, across the country. Is that burnout factor getting more heightened?
5: Sadly, yes, uh, Rick, it's, um, you know, this has been a long haul for healthcare workers, frontline staff, physicians. And here we are in a fifth wave, and um, you know th- this may not be the end of it. Um, so it's really a challenge for people, but this also is really a testament to the industry uh, and the people who work in this industry, uh, making personal sacrifices, coming in day after day to care for patients. I'm sure staff are waking up some days thinking, oh, do I have to go in again? And you know, every, do, every day they do. And so I think it really speaks to the to the people who work in this industry.
0: Another impact is the pausing, cancellation, rescheduling of non urgent surgeries and procedures. How is that going at Joseph Brand Hospital?
5: Uh, uh, It's going well. Um, We're down to 25% of our regularly uh, levels of scheduled care. Um, Unfortunately, we've all had to do this before a couple of times in terms of ramping down. So we have a very solid plan. Uh, The plan has been developed with our regional hospital partners across Hamilton, Niagara, Haldeman and Brent. And so we're able to support each other if needed, if, uh, if any organization either has shortages or has an increase in demand in uh, you know, urgent surgeries that aren't able to be met by that organization.
0: Eric Vandewal is the president and CEO of Joseph Brandt Hospital, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. If people have mild COVID symptoms, should they visit the ER?
5: No, if you have mild COVID symptoms, uh, Rick, you do not need to come to the emergency department. Um, coming to the emergency department uh, risks exposing vulnerable people to the virus. Uh, my advice and suggestion would be first call your primary care physician or provider or telehealth, and if you have mild symptoms, you don't need to be tested. Just stay at home, wait to be till you work through this, you know, becoming symptom free and you feel better. And um, then you can return to your normal life. But um, that's really the, the message for the community. Uh, otherwise, we could see emergency departments becoming overwhelmed with um people with mild symptoms, and we need to keep emergency departments available for those who need the care the most.
0: My guess is if someone does test positive, that there's a certain level of anxiousness in there because they don't know, you know, is this going to be severe? you know what should I do? So that's great tips and advice to say, hey, don't don't uh, you know create a huge backlog in our emergency department because you're okay.
5: Absolutely. and uh, if your' if your symptoms or your condition worsens, again, I'd encourage people call your primary care physician. Uh, call telehealth, and if your if your situation you know becomes more than mild, absolutely seek care.
0: Ontario Liberal Leader uh, Stephen Del Duca not too long ago called on Premier Doug Ford to bring in the military to help hospitals. Is this something that you support?
5: Well, from my perspective, um, I always think it's it's best to plan for for the worst and hope for the best. And so, I, I personally you know I don't think today if you were to ask if I needed the military at Joseph Rand Hospital, I would say the answer would be no. However, I think that um, given the, the, the predictions and the forecasting that's resulted from the science table modeling, uh, we could see um, you know, as many as 100,000 new cases per day in, in um, Ontario, and uh, it's suggested that anywhere from 1% of those cases will require hospital, um, hospitalization. So if you think through then, that's about 1,000 to 2,000 new hospitalizations today. The system does not have that capacity. So if we start getting to that eventuality, it would certainly make sense to draw on all resources that are available to support uh, the health care system.
0: We have a couple more minutes with Eric Van Waal, president and CEO of Joseph Brandt Hospital. We know that uh, hospital and health care union leaders and uh, political leaders, uh, other than Doug Ford, holding a news conference this morning at 9, and they want the provincial government to, among other things, repeal Bill 124, which limits wage increases for health care workers. Would that help the situation?
5: Yeah, it's a very complex issue. I think anything we can do to support our healthcare workers in terms of uh, their, their remuneration, their working conditions, uh, now is the time that we need to back our healthcare workers more than ever. And so I think if there is an ability to make changes to Bill 124 and repeal it, I think that would be a good thing.
0: Is Joe Brent Hospital well-equipped uh, to brace for the, the uh, I guess, the next wave of infections? Because as we know, you know, it's been a few weeks since Omicron has, uh, you know, hopped onto the scene. We're waiting for, as you mentioned, those bigger case counts. Or is the hospital ready?
5: Yes, I suggest um, all hospitals are ready. Hospitals have pandemic preparedness plans in place. We have uh, surge plans in place. Uh, We have uh, the ability to look at alternative staffing models if necessary. So I think uh, we're ready and um, we're uh, working actively with our staff to keep our staff healthy and well so that they're able to come to work infection free.
0: It's good to know. Eric, appreciate the time. Thanks for the uh, time today and enjoy the rest of your day.
5: Thanks for the opportunity, Rick. All the best.
0: Eric Vanderwal is the president and CEO of Joseph Brandt Hospital.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: I don't know how many more times
4: we can do this. I mean, we might have to eventually close down for a while and hopefully not lose our staff. And that's my biggest worry.
0: I'm in a situation where I can somewhat sustain, but it is getting to a point where it's like, enough is enough. A couple of small business owners who are feeling the pinch now that Ontario is back in a modified stage two of its COVID-19 reopening plan as we battle the surging Omicron variants of COVID-19. How can we support small businesses? How can we help them out? This is Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Keenan Loomis is the president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce and joins us now on GMH. Keenan, good morning. Happy New Year. Welcome to the show.
6: Good morning, Rick. Happy New Year to you and all the listeners out there.
0: How are small businesses doing in Hamilton these days?
6: Well, just like everybody else, uh, we are absolutely frustrated uh, with the state of things and uh, suffering from a case of uh, a whiplash. Um, you know, over the last uh, couple of weeks, things have changed dramatically, and we haven't received a whole lot of uh, solid, uh, you know, sort of. Um, uh, uh, prognostication from the from the province that's been uh, very difficult to deal with but uh... you know businesses understand that we have to take care of our our hospital system we understand that uh... you know our healthcare workers have been uh... under siege more so than than probably we have and so we're doing our part we know what to do and we're very hopeful that uh, this is just very temporary and that Omicron will flame out uh, almost as quickly as it emerged. Uh,
0: we know that Hamiltonians are resilient. Hamilton business owners are very resilient as well. Is, is what they learned and had to adapt to over the last couple of years serving them well this time around?
6: Well, the good thing is that uh over the last couple of years, uh they have done a, a really good job of enhancing their digital presence. Um we have worked with over 400 businesses in Hamilton on our Digital Main Street project. Um and that's provided them the resources and the coaching to uh to really get them uh up to, you know, uh modern Uh, online um, conditions so that they can uh, continue to serve uh, Hamilton uh, residents. So, you know, it's never been easier to support local um, uh, digitally because of their websites um, and because of all the other uh, tools that they've been able to acquire over the last couple of years.
0: If I had to take a guess, that digital Main Street has probably saved a lot of jobs and a lot of businesses from going under.
6: Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that because uh, not only are they getting the resources, but the coaching. And, and the coaching comes out of uh, our office, uh, the staff that we have, um, and it's been absolutely I- invaluable um, and an important tool on top of you know the, the provincial and federal supports that uh, have also been pumped into the economy.
0: Apart from being back in stage two, is is the lack of government supports maybe the biggest complaint right now?
6: Well, I think it's been, they've been slow. Uh, you know, it, it was unfortunate that, uh, Minister Bethlehem Falvey was invited to, uh, be at the press conference that, uh, the, the premier, um, had on, on Monday where he announced, uh, the, the stage two. Um, and yet, uh, he didn't have anything to say because, so, you know, the, the restrictions, uh, came down quite quickly. But uh, the business supports have been slow to follow. Um, So, yeah, that has been frustrating. But I think that the federal government and the province will eventually step up. And those resources that were were there in in previous waves uh, should be there um, in this wave as well. We're doing a lot of advocacy of course, uh, in Queen's Park and uh, in Ottawa as a chamber network.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Keenan Loomis, president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. We are chatting about how you can help small businesses that are impacted by the emergence of Omicron now that we're back at a modified stage two of uh, the government's reopening plans. So how can people help small businesses in the city?
6: Well, there's all kinds of ways to do so. Um, Certainly, uh, you know, there's a lot of efforts online, um hometown hub has been uh, a really important uh way for <clears throat> excuse me uh small businesses to to connect with consumers um shopee play has been a, a a great way for um for consumers to purchase uh gift cards from from restaurants those are really important right now if you purchase a gift card that's uh, immediate revenue uh to a a business and you can always uh redeem that uh at a future time um, so you know a lot of people have have banded together um, you know and, and I just keep saying that we We really need to be mindful of where we're spending our dollars at all times right but especially now and and especially you know think back to and i I know it's probably hard to think back to the before times, but think back to even you know just the fall and in the summer and you know the 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 money that you were spending at a local restaurant uh the the money you were spending at a small retail store um f, you know for christmas gifts um and and make sure that you continue that through uh, through the lockdown um, so that uh, you know they are you are maintaining your uh, support um, at this period of time um, you know amazon is is in in the big box stores and they serve their their purpose for sure but uh, but if you think about the delta of what you were spending and, and what you're spending now uh, in small business well that's that's the Amount that's not going into uh, supporting small business, so just be very mindful as you go through and, and you make your your everyday decisions, and when you think about what you're going to have for dinner, and uh, you know, and all kinds of businesses are, are still open. They're just serving you in different ways. Everybody's had to pivot, and uh, they're ready
0: to serve. That's a great point, Keenan. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks. You too, Rick. That is Kenny Lewis, President of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Other uh, tips that you can do to help small business in this community. Uh, don't use third-party apps. You know, deal directly with the, the store or business. Uh, pay with cash. Maybe you can help them... Um, whittle down those uh, processing fees Stop using Amazon You know, just just shop local Buy gift cards, as uh, Keenan mentioned That's instant revenue for the shop And you can obviously use those gift cards at that store And uh, if you're on places like Twitter And Facebook and Instagram um, Share their posts um, Like them, forward them, share them uh, Give them uh, some reviews and some feedback And uh, help them along the way uh, Little things that we can do to help uh, Small Biz in this community, because right now they do need our help.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: An assistant professor in McMaster University's Department of Medicine was diagnosed with COVID-19 about a year ago, but is still feeling the effects of long COVID. Dr. Manali Makuji is that assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Respirology at McMaster University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Dr. Makuchi, good morning. How are you?
7: Good morning. How are you? Not too bad today.
0: I'm I'm okay. Yeah. Tell tell us about your story.
7: I don't have much of a story, I guess. It's a story of a number of people out there as well. Um, I just got diagnosed um, last year in January, and uh, after recovering at home, I st- kept having some persistent symptoms: uh, fatigue and uh, loss of smell, and you know the se- smell that was distorted for a while and. Uh, little bit of uh, pressure issues and stuff and continuous amount of fatigue so that's about it. it stayed for a while and it was on and off and on and off so it was very confusing and uh, it did make me anxious anxious and I guess uh, we started working on it and studying it and asking the government for funding so that we can understand what's going on going on with so many people g- given the fact that I am trained in immunology
0: So would you consider yourself cured now from long COVID or do you still have some symptoms?
7: Well, I do have fatigue right now. But the point is that um, I think the symptoms have been getting a little better. Uh, I can't say the same thing for uh, some of the patients I'm seeing uh, in my uh, ongoing trial. But for me, uh, symptoms are getting better. For example, I just tweeted last night saying that, uh, you know, after a very long time, I got a familiar smell of coffee and my orange blossom diffuser. So 2022 does smell like hope. (laughs) So uh, so I'm just uh, hoping the same for a lot of people out there who are very confused and anxious.
0: How challenging has it been over the last number of months? Because as you said, some of the symptoms were there for a while, then they were distorted, then they vanished, then they reappeared. How how much of a roller coaster has it been?
7: No, it has been quite a roller coaster. Uh, The roller coaster has just not been from the fact that uh, this has been such a dynamic year where we don't know what's going to happen the next month, and we're continuously managing with ever-changing rules and guidelines, and the work pressure, and the way life itself has changed as we know it. But on top of that, when something that you hope that you're going to um, rely on, your health, it, that gets kind of gives you surprises and throws you curveballs, um, it, it can be challenging. Um to those who are going through it, um, I, I completely empathize. Um it's something like that causes you a lot of anxiety, but then you somehow have to manage to tell yourself it's going to be okay. What was worrying me is that though the answers are deep-seated in the immune system, and that's how I was thinking about it. That's what we are studying. And still, that was giving me that much of anxiety. I wondered what was going on with people who had no idea what was what what this was all about. Dr. Especially Manali. Especially when the medical system didn't have much of an answer either, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Manali Makuji is our guest, Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of Respirology at McMaster University. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Are, is there any worry about your long-term health?
7: Don't know much. It's all speculations right now. Usually, after a bad virus or an influenza, there is something called this post viral syndrome, where because the immune system is activated while fighting the acute infection, these effects can stay on for a while. It is not unheard of. It's not uncommon. Uh, The reason why this is becoming so obvious and eye catching and uh, a concern right now is for the sheer numbers that have been affected. Uh, because of COVID. Uh, so even if 10% of those who are affected with COVID end up with persisting symptoms, uh, it, the numbers are quite alarming. So for example, in Hamilton alone, we have 35 to 36,000 people who are currently infected or um, was infected. So, if you take the ten percent of that, that's a good enough number for a small, for a for a town the size of Hamilton. So, we need to study them. We need to study them longer, longitudinally over time, to see how many of them uh, end up with symptoms and how many of those symptoms go away. So, we really need to understand this and study over time. I do not have any specific answers right now.
0: I want to ask you about your your trial. But before we get to that, is uh, do people with long COVID, are they considered contagious?
7: No, not at all. I don't think so.
0: Okay, interesting. All right, let's get into your trial. What are you hoping to achieve here?
7: Well, uh, we are looking at a very specific component. Like I said, uh, uh, we have reason to believe that the answer to long COVID is deep seated in the immune system because the immune system is all confused and rowdy as to what happened to it, to it during the acute infection, right? Um, so what we're trying to understand is what can, what are the immunological underpinnings to these uh, in these people who keep on having persistent symptoms. Um, and we want to see if there are any specific, uh, like, you know, disease or, or any sort of an rheumatological disease that can show up uh in 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 a few years from now and if any of these symptoms are associated with some of these uh, rheumatological condition. So you when, you, when you hear in the news, you will see some scattered uh, news and evidence of people talking about chronic fatigue sin, syndrome, people talking about macrophage activation. These are all big words, but uh, which scares people. We want to know it systematically. We want to understand this objectively. Uh, we want to do it as scientific as possible. So that's what uh, our study is aiming for, is to recruit the right people with the right diagnosis and observe them over years and looking, uh, looking at the immunological uh, endpoints to see if they actually have, um, you know, malfunctioning of the immune system or some aberration of the immune system that can answer why they're having those symptoms. The current study is one year, and I'm hoping to have bridging funds so that I can study these people for longer.
0: Uh, we only have about a minute. Is there any evidence to suggest the COVID-19 treatment pills, if uh, for lack of a better term, they've been created by Pfizer and Merck, uh, w- would they help long COVID sufferers?
7: We do not have enough evidence to, uh, like, I don't have enough evidence to comment on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can comment on is after vaccinations and boosters, I've been hearing that a number of people have have had a lot of their symptoms, uh, you know, and like, you know, attenuated, like some of them, um, for example, me, um, my sense of smell has, actually is coming back after my booster.
0: Interesting but, stuff. Yeah. Dr. Makuji, thank you very much for your time and uh, good luck uh, continuing to battle uh, long COVID.
7: Thank you so much and best of luck to a lot of people out there as well. Thank you.
0: Dr. Manali Makugi, Assistant Professor of Medicine, Division of Respirology at McMaster University. Um, interesting stuff. If you uh, have long COVID, uh, best of luck and hopefully Dr. Macuji's, Um, trial will help in that regard and, and get you to a better place
1: you're listening to the good morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML we will never give up we will never concede it doesn't happen you don't concede when there's theft involved our country has had enough we will not take it anymore and that's what this is all about And to use a favorite term that all of you people really came up with, we will stop the steal.
0: Well, it is a dark and somber one-year anniversary. Yes, today marks the one-year anniversary of the deadly U.S. Capitol riots known as the insurrection. And here to chat about what is happening on this anniversary is Reggie Cicchini, Washington correspondent with Global News. And he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Reggie, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Well, what a dark day it was a year ago. What comes to mind when you reflect on this terrible anniversary?
3: I mean, look, it, it was it was um, it was a nightmare for uh, for U.S. democracy. It was a nightmare for uh, those people in America who believe uh, in the Constitution. Uh, and it goes to show how easily uh, somebody can change the minds of the average American simply by telling them something that whether it's true or not, uh, strikes a chord uh, within uh, that specific person. uh, And that really goes back to what we just heard in that clip, former President Donald Trump telling his base that the election was stolen from him. And there is still a very large segment of the Republican population that legitimately believes that President Donald Trump should still be the president and that there was some kind of fraud. And ultimately, you see what happens when that kind of message is just driven into a group. So what is happening today? So there's going to be a, a kind of day-long uh, series of events that take place at the U.S. Capitol. It starts this morning at 9 o'clock. President Biden, the Vice President Kamala Harris, will uh, deliver a speech underneath uh, the iconic dome inside the U.S. Capitol. It's called Statuary Hall. There are a number uh, of statues that kind of line the circular floor. Uh, and the president is going to ask whether or not America wants to be the nation that it needs to be or whether it wants to be the kind of country that allows you to simply overturn an election result because you didn't like the outcome and he is going to make a very veiled swipe at the former president uh, and say and and kind of point out why he believes Donald Trump kind of sits at the pinnacle of everything that took place last year. This is, you know, something that has been uh, kind of simmering over the last year. There's been pressure on the Attorney General to try and hold Donald Trump accountable. This is going to be uh, a very kind of poignant speech from the President. Beyond that, there will be uh, opportunities for lawmakers to share testimonials about their experiences last year, and it will end with a vigil uh, on the steps of the U.S. Capitol, led by Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, later today. I would imagine the
0: security detail around
3: the Capitol building is is immense. There is security. It's nothing like we saw last year. We don't see the fencing surrounding the U.S. Capitol. We don't see the lines of the U.S. National Guard uh, or the Secret Service uh, kind of all over the streets. You can move freely. You can drive freely. But there is a heightened sense of of kind of alert and security solely because they understand what can kind of happen at a moment's notice. Yesterday, the, uh, the, the chief of the U.S. Capitol Police testified on Capitol Hill to say that the agency is ready, that they have beefed up their support. This even though... They've lost more than uh, roughly 200 members of the force in the last year. Uh, but there is, uh, you know, th- there is an understanding here that if something happens, the response will be immediate. The response will not take hours and hours like we saw last year.
0: We're chatting about the one-year anniversary of the U.S. Capitol riots with Reggie Cicchini, Washington correspondent for Global News. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Now, former President Donald Trump was apparently going to hold a news conference today, but we understand that's been pushed back uh, a week or so.
3: It has been. The president was going to speak from Mar-a-Lago tonight and it was really, you know, going to kind of push that nonstop narrative that we've heard over the last year saying uh, that the election was stolen from him, decrying uh, what he believes to have been fraud, even though none was found from coast to coast, including within Republican audits in swing states. Uh, but this was going to be a moment for President Trump to try and kind of get a stronger hold on his base while also reeling in that kind of power that he holds over the the Republican Party. Ultimately, from what we understand, supporters of the president, of the former president, allies of the former president said this might not be a good idea to uh, to kind of bring all of this up amid the series of investigations that are underway trying to go after the former president. This will now become a part of a, a planned speech when he holds a rally in Arizona uh, in the coming days. But ultimately as well, this was a president who liked the attention the media gave him. And it was very likely that there were going to be no networks that carried this speech from Mar-a-Lago also factoring into why we will not see Donald Trump on TV tonight.
0: We heard yesterday from U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland who vowed to hold accountable anyone who was responsible for last year's insurrection, whether they were physically there or not. We do know more than
3: 700 people have been charged. How many more could face charges? Any details coming out? Well, there are a few details on that. Number one, I think it's important the words that the uh, attorney general spoke, whether they were at the Capitol or not, saying that there is an opportunity here for this investigation to go outside of that crowd that were standing immediately on side the steps, uh, on the steps and inside the building, meaning that anybody could be swept up into this investigation. You're right. More than 700 people have been charged. The FBI says they're actively sourcing tips on a daily basis. There are hundreds, you know, 300, 400 unidentified people uh, from across the country that they are still trying to uh, determine uh, the identities of. There's also an individual that planted pipe bombs outside of the national headquarters for the Republican Party and the Democratic Party a year ago last night. That person has also still not been sought, uh, found. So this is an ongoing, lengthy investigation, the largest in FBI history. There have been more than 160 people that have pleaded guilty. Some sentences are being handed out. Remorse is now being seen, but not by everyone. There are still people who took part in that insurrection last year that believe the cause that they were in there, uh, and they are not standing down from where they feel.
0: Reggie, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for the uh, chat today, and uh, we'll uh, look for your coverage later on uh, this morning and throughout the day. Thank you. Reg Giacchini, Washington correspondent for Global News. White House Press Secretary Jen Sackey says President Biden will mark the one-year anniversary of the riots today by spelling out the work that lies ahead in uniting a badly divided country. Bruce Heyman is a former U.S. ambassador to Canada, and he had this to say when looking back at one year ago today.
4: That building is very familiar to me. Shocking, sad, still, uh, still jarring for me as I think back on that day. Having Joe Biden there, is a is is reassuring quite a bit but knowing of course that donald trump's still in the wings still influencing the republican party we still have not charged or uh come up with any convictions with regard to people who organized financed the january 6th event that took place at capitol hill and we have you know i think modifications to our legislation with regard to voting rights in the United States, that are well overdue now, and we need to protect the vote. So, democracy is fragile and the U.S. is being challenged.
0: And again is former U.S. Ambassador to Canada, Bruce Heyman, commenting on the one-year anniversary of the U.S. Capitol riots.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well,
0: as Hamilton's hot housing market continues to run rampant, there's a new person leading the Realtors Association of Hamilton-Burlington. Lou Perriato is the president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton-Burlington and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Lou.
2: Hey, good morning, and Happy New Year to you all.
0: Happy New Year to you. How does it feel to be in your new position? Well, it's uh, actually, I was in uh, 2017. I was
2: president of the association as well. So it's it's not totally new, but it's uh, always fun. Uh,
0: This is a very active market, I guess. How would you describe the current uh, real estate and housing market in Hamilton, Burlington?
2: Well, I think it's steady as she goes. Uh, We can probably expect more of uh, what we've been seeing all along. And um, that would uh, mean, uh, you know, great demand and limited supply.
0: So that would be the case for the entirety of 2022, do you think?
2: Well, it uh, d- will depend uh, somewhat, probably, on our friends in the uh, in the government uh, who uh, will set the Bank of Canada rate. If if they get really crazy, I suppose that could have a dampening effect. But <laughs> yeah. other than that, I don't see it. <laughs>
0: The average price of a home in our region last month was about nine hundred thirty-one thousand dollars. That's up two percent compared with November, a twenty-seven percent spike uh, in comparison to December of twenty twenty. Is topping one million a very good reality this year? Uh,
2: we're already there, um, and in some cases, uh, you know what Mark Twain said: "There, there are lies, damned lies, and statistics," and and I think you got to be very careful. Uh, When you talk about averages, um, uh, you know, you stick your left foot into a bucket of boiling hot water and stick your right foot into a bucket of ice water, and on average, you should feel pretty good. But, of course, that's not the case. So uh, averages can be misleading. Uh, My advice is to call one of our members of the Realtors Association of Hamilton-Burlington and see how it applies to the area that you want to get into. Uh, Last year, apartments uh, lagged uh, pricing compared to single-family homes, and, but all of a sudden they're starting to catch up. So it's something where your, your expert can sit there and take the temperature of the market and advise you properly.
0: Lou Perriano is our guest. He's the president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton-Burlington. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. A lot of attention, and not only here in Hamilton, uh, is being paid to housing affordability. How do we get more first-time home buyers into the market and and make Homes more affordable to more people
2: well, I think you know that the government made a big mistake uh, i I lay this squarely at the feet of the government, uh, the problems that first time buyers are having the stress test was a disaster. Uh, all it did was uh, stop people who could have afforded to get into the market two years ago from getting into the market because they had to qualify at higher rates, and now they've missed out on all this uh, equity appreciation uh, so I'll leave it to the government to untangle this. Uh, I, I don't have any magic solutions. We know that, uh, increased supply is, is the key to everything in this case. So, uh, you know, programs for first time buyers are, are, have minimal effect. And, uh, it's going to be you know, frankly very tough for first time buyers. But once again, if there's a way to do it, your local, uh, realtor, Hamilton, you know, the Realtor Association of Hamilton, Burlington in particular, We'll be able to guide you through that, probably have connections with mortgage brokers and can give you good advice.
0: Great stuff. Lou, appreciate the time today. All the best in 2022
1: hey I'm saying back at you yeah.
0: that is Lou Periano, president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington thanks for listening to the good morning Hamilton podcast
1: you can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5 30 to 9 on 900 chml and online at 900 chml.com
0: the good morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple podcast Google podcast and wherever you get your favorite podcast I'm Rick Samprin thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast it's free so you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review.